0: Folks, we're going through Luke. We're in Luke chapter 16, and we're looking specifically
1: at the teaching of Jesus Christ. We've been on this earth walk, looking at the life of Jesus and specifically his teaching, and we're coming to Luke chapter 16. it's interesting. I just want to I just want to point this out to you because when you read through the Gospels, sometimes you wonder what what's what's the writer's doing here because he just shared with us about the prodigal son and about the great picture of who God is. And his acceptance and his love for us and his pursuit of us and the pursuit of salvation. But now we're going to get ready to go into 16. It's almost like he's going to a whole different subject, a whole different, a whole different perspective here. It's like, okay, I don't understand what's going on here. How does this fit with what we just talked about? Well, what I want you to see is this, and this is where a lot of people are at today, especially in the church. All of us want the love and acceptance of God in spite of what we've done. Do you understand what I'm saying? We want the forgiveness. We want, to be, we want the welcome that the prodigal got when he got home. Give me the best robe. Put the best robe on him. Put a gold ring on him. Put some sandals on him. Let's have a party. We want that excitement from Jesus. We want Jesus to love us and accept us and to bring forgiveness into our lives. But that's where a lot of people stop. A lot of people don't go beyond that. But what Jesus is doing, and we're going to look at it here in Luke 16, he wants to take it one step further beyond the issue of the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus and to show us that we've got a responsibility. Actually, he's going to show us we've got a choice to make. And the choice to make is how you live your life, what you do with your life, what you do with yourself. And he's going to do it through an issue that a lot of us can relate to because he's going to talk about the issue of money. And here are some of you are thinking, oh no, here we go, we got a message on money. Well, let me explain to you, we, we don't really talk about money much in here unless the passage brings it out, but he's using it as an illustration to get to a greater point, point. and the greater point here isn't how you use your money, that's a secondary point. The greater point here we're going to see in the scripture is how you live your life. So let's look at this, we're going to look at the parable of the unjust steward and try and glean from it the things that God wants us to see. Here we go. Look, look with me. Verse 1. He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward. And an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me, and I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I have a resolved what to do, that when I'm put out of my stewardship, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master debtors to him, and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measure of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and write fifty. Then he said to another, How much do you owe? And so he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill, write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward because he dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. I say to you, Make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in least will be unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, Who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Folks, we're going to take this passage, and really we're going to divide it up into uh, two sections. We're going to see, first of all, the issue of looking forward. We're going to see that in verses 1 through 8. And then we're going to look at a proper focus that Jesus has given us. We're going to look, first of all, the parable. What's it teaching us? It talks about the issue of looking forward. And then he gets some commentary, some application, to how we can apply it to our lives. So let me explain to you what's happening here, because you might be listening to that and saying, Whoa, is Jesus saying what this guy's doing is right? It sounds like he's jipping. It sounds like he's cheating his master for his own goods." Let me explain to you what's going on. In that day... A wealthy man would hire, would not be over the affairs of his, his estate or whatever. He would hire a steward or a manager. And what would happen is, is that the manager would basically be in charge of his finances. Because if you were rich, you didn't take care, you didn't do, you didn't bother with that. You just kind of lived off of it. You let others take care of it. Well, what would happen is, is this. If somebody came and borrowed something or somebody owed you something, there was the amount that you owed the rich man, but the steward, Or the manager would put his professional fee on top of it. We have that today in contracts. Have you noticed that? You guys ever borrow money from somebody? There's what you borrow, and then there's the fees on top of that. Have you noticed the fees? So this is what's going on. First of all, don't get angry about that. It's been going on for centuries. That's just the way we do business. So anyhow, here's what's going on. This manager, the rich guy, hears this report. There's an accusation saying, ah, you better check out what that manager's doing. He's not doing you right. He's not, he's kind of wasting, he's not doing a good job. He's wasting what you have. In fact, I think it's interesting. When you look at that word wasted there, it's the same word that reflected back to the prodigal son who, what, wasted his goods with prodigal living. So it's connected to that story. So here's what happens. The guy says he's called before. This is my first point here. He has to give an account. He's got to give an account to the rich guy about what he's been doing with the rich guy's money. So he's got to he's got to he's got to give an account. To, he's got to give an explanation. He's got to come and say, okay, this is what I've been doing with your funds. Look, folks, Jesus is trying to make an an eternal principle here to us. Every one of you has got to give an account one day. Every one of you has got to give an account of how you're living your life and what you're doing with your life and what you're doing with what God has given you. Period. That's true. Every one of us. In fact, the ultimate accounting is reflected in what? In Revelation chapter 20 when he says that all will appear and all the books will be opened. And you and I will give an account for everything in our lives. Now think about that. Everything, even the stuff you've forgotten, you've got to give an account for. Jesus will later tell us in the Gospels that every idle word... Now what do you say? What's an idle word? Have you ever said something dumb that you wish you hadn't said? Have you ever said something silly that was meaningless? Every idle word... And some of us can't even remember what we said last week that was dumb. Our spouses can, but we can't. Remember? Here's, here's the reality. All of that will be brought into account. So here's what's going on. So he's brought into account here. Now here's what's going on. So he's, he's got to give an account. But here's what he's doing. He, he realizes that things aren't going well. He's going to lose his job. So here's what he does. Here's my second point. He properly assesses himself. He takes a step back. He realizes things aren't going well. He's got to give an account. So he takes an assessment of himself. He does a personal inventory of who he is. And here's what he finds out. He says, I'm going to lose my stewardship. I've got to do something because, you know what? I can't dig ditches. And I'm too proud to beg for money. So I'm going to have to do something about this. And listen, folks, this is where all of us are at. When you realize that one day you've got to give an account for your life, you've got to take the moment and you've got to do a, Proper assessment of yourself, where am I at in my relationship with God? He's going to hold me accountable. He's going to call into account stuff that I've even forgotten about. Where am I at? Where am I at? What do I have to do here? So he properly assesses himself. Now here's what he does. This is where he's shrewd. And this is where people have a problem with this passage. I'll explain it to you. Here's what he does. So he ensures his future well-being. That's the next point there. He ensures his future well-being. How does he do that? Well, he decides to call everybody, because he's the manager, he knows who they are. He calls everybody that owes his master some money. And he tells them to bring the bills with you of what you owe. Bring the agreements that are with you. Bring them here to me. And so they come and he'll say, he says to the first guy... How much do you owe? And and the first guy says, I owe a 100 measures of oil. Let me explain to you what that is. In today's terms, that's three and a half years of a working man's salary. That's a lot of money, isn't it? And so here's what he says. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your bill and mark down 50. Now, you're like, how do you do that? we got an agreement here. How do you take a bill and knock down 50? Here's what he's doing. He's knocking off his commission. You're saying he was charging 50% on top? Yeah. Yep, that's what they did. But now he's saying, oh, you got 100? You really only owe 50. Forget about my 50. So if you're the guy who's owing 100, and now you realize you only owe 50, how are you feeling? You're feeling pretty good. I mean, you might be ticked at first, but then you realize, well, first of all, they all do. Do you understand? That's how they operate it. They all knew that there was these fees on top of it. So when the guy says, I'm knocking the fees off. You only owe them 50, you're going to be pretty happy. Another guy's there, and he says to that guy, how much do you owe? And he owes 100 measure of wheat. Now, let me explain to you. if That's a little bit more expensive than 100 measure of oil. In fact, it equals seven and a half years of salary. So he says to that guy, mark down 80. So he's knocking off 20%. Again, how are you feeling? Happy! So what's he doing here? Here's what he's doing. What he's doing is, is that when he's out of work, he's not gonna have to beg! Because in their culture, it's a culture of hospitality, those folks are going to take him in. You did us right! We don't owe a hundred anymore, you just, you, we only owe fifty! Wow! We'll take care of you! He's ensuring his future! He's looking forward! So Jesus is using this illustration. And look at how he concludes what he's saying here. Look at what he says there. The master, verse 8, commended the unjust steward because he dealt shrewdly. Here's what he's saying. This guy is shrewd because he's not just thinking about now. He's thinking about later on. He's thinking about later on. He's forward thinking. He knows he's got to give an account. He knows it's not going to go well. He does a proper assessment of himself, and then he ensures his future. He does what it takes to ensure his future. Now, here's the application. Look with me the proper focus. Now, we see it in verse 18. We're going to see four different things that come out here that Jesus is going to make a point about. First one we see in verse 18. Notice what he says there. He makes an interesting statement. He says this, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than than the sons of light. Here's what Jesus is saying. Here's what he's saying here. Put forth the same effort to ensure your future. Learn the lesson of this unjust steward, is what Jesus is saying. See, the unjust steward is thinking about his, his life here now, and what he's got to do for right now. But when you talk about you, the children of light, you've got to think more than beyond just right now. You've got to think later for eternity. Are you ensuring your future in eternity? That's the issue. And what Jesus is saying here is, look, just as some rich guy or some manager or somebody else is going to put forth a lot of effort to ensure that everything is going well right here in this life, you need to put forth the same effort to ensure your destiny and your reward later on. Do you understand what I'm saying? You need to do a proper assessment. Where am I at in my relationship with Jesus? Do I know Him? If I know Him, am I living for Him? Am I living for Him or am I living for myself? This is the point that Jesus is bringing out of this passage. Who are you living for? And listen, you put forth the same effort to ensure your future. And then He goes one step further. Here's what He says. Look at verse 9. Look with me at verse 9. Look at what He says there. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon. That's money. That when you fail that they may receive you into an everlasting home. Here's what he's saying. Use your resources for others. Now this is exactly the opposite of what this guy is doing, isn't it? Because the guy, he's doing it for himself. Jesus is saying, look, you put forth the same effort, but when you put forth the same effort to ensure your future in the kingdom, here's what you do. The resources that you have, you use it for others. See, what you have, does everybody understand that what you have is what God gives you? Does everybody understand that? You need to recognize that. It's not your brain power. It's not even your birthright. Because do you understand, you had no choice in what family you got born into. And some of you were born in families where you were taught a work ethic, and you worked, and you, and, you, and you worked by the sweat of your brow, and you got it. Some folks were born into a cycle of poverty. All of you were born into America. And see, that's the way the world operates, but when you look at what God is saying, He's saying, look, when you have what you have, what you have comes from God. Ultimately. It comes from Him. And the reality is is that you don't use it for yourself, although that's what we like to do. We have dreams, don't we? Well, we're going to do this with this room over here. We're going to do that with the house. And, boy, I'd like to have that. And I'd like to drive that. And, and we've all got dreams about what we want to do. And that's, that's okay. God's not saying you can't have that. But what he's saying is, is that you need to think about the future. And when you think about the future, you've got to realize that your resources were given for a purpose. Use your resources for others. And notice I didn't say just for the church. I said other because I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, you need to give to the church, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you to give to somebody who's sitting next to you who's got a need. And sometimes it's not even money. Sometimes it may be your expertise because maybe they got an engine problem and you can help them out with their engine. Or maybe they've got some other kind of problem and you have the expertise to do it. The issue is giving of your resources. Resources is not just money, although that's... He's using here. Resources means time, talent, and treasure. And so if you want to ensure a a reward later on, this is what he's talking about. How much are you going to spend of eternity here in this life? Anybody know? Do you want me to help you picture it? Okay, let's say from let's do a draw an imaginary line from that wall over there all the way to that wall. Anybody see how far that is? Okay? Alright? Okay, let's say that's eternity. What is our life in comparison to eternity? All the way over here at the beginning of this, there's a little speck of dust here. Anybody see that little speck of dust back there? I can see it if I stand here. If I get closer, I can't see it. But it's right there, okay? That's your life here. What's that compared to all of eternity? Because we're all eternal beings. You're going to live, folks, beyond here. And what he's saying is, listen to me, You want to ensure what it's going to be like in the future when you go to the kingdom. Because we're talking about one step beyond salvation here. We're not talking for salvation. We're talking about your life, what you're going to do with Jesus after salvation. And what he's saying is while you're here, ensure your future later. So your resources are not just for you, but they're to be used by God as the Holy Spirit leads you to help others. This is what he's talking about here. He goes on one second and says this. Look at verse 10 and 12. Characters reflected in stewardship. Ouch! This one's convicting to me. Look at what he says there. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. He who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, Who will give you what is your own? Here's what he's saying. Character. Your character is reflected in your stewardship of what God has given you. You want to know who you are and the measure of who you are? Then all we have to do is look and see how you handle what God gives you. Period. Now, let me just stop for a moment because somebody will say, well, that's what George is saying is that if we give, then we'll look good. No, no, that's not the point here. It's not the issue of what you give because that's deceiving. Never go by what a person gives. Because, remember, that's what they did, remember, in Jesus with the widow? They were giving, tooting a horn, giving. But that widow came and she gave, what? Hardly anything. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody else. But your character is reflected in your stewardship. And specifically look there at verse 11 because I think that's very interesting. He says, if you haven't been faithful in unrighteous mammon, what does that mean? If you haven't been faithful to God right now in how you handle what God has given you right now, if you haven't been faithful, who's going to commit to your trust riches later on when you go to be with Him? Do you understand what I'm saying? Who's going to give you later on for eternity... Greater reward. See, that's the point. Here, let me explain something to you. Because some of you are saying, I- I'm still not grasping it. What is this giving thing? What do you mean by this giving thing? Here's what I want you to see. Listen to me. When we talk about you responding to the Holy Spirit, I want to make sure you understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because here's the thing. I am not just talking about you giving when you come and interact with this group of people. Okay, because every one of you will interact with people on a day-to-day basis that I will never meet, that this church will never see. And across your path, God will raise up people, and the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, you know, if they're sharing with you their problem, the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, you know, you can do something about their problem. But here's what we do. I know because I do it. Number one, I ain't got time for that, Jesus. Don't want to be dumped on right now. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Here's the other one. My bank account isn't big enough, Jesus. I'd like to help him. First of all, remember who's giving it to you. And you know what Paul tells us in Corinthians? You can't out God. You can't. But when the Holy Spirit leads you to do something for somebody around you in your life, and if you do it, this is what Jesus is saying. You are being faithful in what He's given you, and you are ensuring a better future later on. Period. But see, if you're totally self-focused, it's all about you, all about you, all about you. You're totally missing the point of why God gave you what He gave you. In fact, I've heard this. I've heard heard this said. Chuck Swindoll says this. He said, "You ever wonder why there aren't too many Christian rich people? Well, there's a few, but why most people?" And and churches aren't rich. Have you noticed that? You want to know why? Here's what Chuck Swindoll says. Because we can't handle it. Why would he entrust something that we can't handle? Because if we had it, who would we spend it on? Ourselves. This is the point that he's making here. Use your resources for other. Character is reflected in stewardship. But then he adds one final point here. Because this is where we're at. This is where we go beyond the money issue to our whole life issue and looking forward to the future. Look at what he says there. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Here's what he's saying. Choose your proper life focus. This is the issue. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you've committed your life to Jesus. But have you really committed your life? I mean, you committed... Him, you're committed to Him as far as forgiveness and eternal life. But is your life for Him? Are you living your life for Him? See, you can't serve two masters. Most of us, we want to have Jesus, but we also want to have our dreams fulfilled. You know, as I'm, I'm in my 40s, Gloria, will tell you, a few years ago I went through midlife crisis. That was a rough year. But I'm realizing I'm 46 now. I'm still going through it. Maybe not as extreme as it was when I was 40. But here's what I'm realizing. Why am I here? And here's what I've come to the conclusion. It is not for my goals. It's for Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes my goals may be contrary to what God wants. So you can't serve both, is what Jesus is saying. You can't have Jesus and then plus everything else that you want in life. You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. You can't serve both. You can't have two masters. Because one will despise the other. And what do I mean by that? Because sometimes your personal goals will bring you in direct conflict with what God wants for your life. And what God wants you to do with your life. And what God wants you to do with what He's given you. So choose your proper focus. That's the choice we have to make. That's the choice we have to make. That's what He's saying here. See, so, okay, church. How do we, how do we apply this to our lives? What do we do with this? Well, in our, in our closing minutes here, let me just give you some thoughts here. Number one, what are you living for? I mean, when we come to church, the proper thing, the acceptable thing to say is, "Is I'm living for Jesus." That's what we say out loud. But let's let's be honest. Let's let's talk about who you are on the inside. What are you really living for? Is it your dreams? Is it a certain salary level? That's a, that's a futile pursuit, folks. Because as soon as you get it, you never know what might happen. Sometimes it's a pink slip. And then you're back to pursuing it again. It's, a, it's an endless pursuit. Is it a perfect family? You just need to hang around with folks who've had families for a while. There is no perfect families, are there? Is it, is it retirement? Talk to our retirees. It doesn't get better when you retire. Do you know what I'm going to say? What are you living for? Is it yourself? What's it all about? This is the point that Jesus is making here. He's using it through this parable. He's using it through these applications that he's given us. Is Where is our focus? What does our future hold for us? You need to ensure your future. But the first place you go is, what are you living for right now? Because here's what I want you to see. Even when you get what you're living for, you realize after you get it how empty life is. Have you noticed that? How many of you ever said something like this? I say something like this. Boy, if I got that computer system, I'll be okay. I will be satisfied. Then you get it. Two months later, you're reading about a new system that goes ten times faster, do a hundred times more things, and it looks a whole lot better than yours, and yours is starting to slow down. Guess what you want? There's no contentment in life here. What are you living for? What are you living for? And here, here's, what does that reveal about you? That's the next thing here. What are you living for? And then what does that reveal about you? What does it reveal about you? What does that say about your character? What does that say about who you really are? We've got to put this down. You write this word right down beside that. It reveals that we're selfish. It reveals that we're selfish. We're self-focused. But that's where we need to be. We need to be somewhere else. We need to be God-focused. So you say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Here's your action point for the week. Here's what you got to do with this, folks. Because you, it's, this is rubber meets the road. Choose to live for Christ and act on it. Choose to live for Christ and act on it. Because here's the thing. All, all of us choose to live for Christ, but it's a question of whether or not we act on it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because everybody over here will say, oh, I want to live for Christ. How I many you want to live for Christ? We'll all raise our hands. Oh yes, we want to live for Christ. We love you, Jesus. But then we walk through the door, real life hits us right in the face. And it's got to go beyond a choice. It's got to go into action. So you've got to choose, not only to choose to follow Him and to to live your life for Him here in whatever way, as the Holy Spirit leads you, wherever you're working, wherever you're living, in the people that you are interacting with. But you've got to act on it. You've got to act on it.
0: He'll empower you. But you've got to choose to do it. Thank you for being with us this morning.